Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The home that you worked so hard to purchase or the business that you dreamed of owning deserved to shine. LDJ Cleaning Professionals specialize in commercial, residential, and disinfecting cleaning. We've served Aurora and the Quad Counties with over 20 years experience in the professional cleaning industry. Whether you're looking for window cleaning, disinfecting, or general office cleaning, we offer it all and more. Hire a true professional and call us today at 630-291-5435 or visit our website at www.ldjcleaning.com. We help you protect your investment. Rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. The time is now 8 a.m. You are listening to Good Morning, Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. And we got a great episode today. We have a uh, a gentleman who doesn't need any introduction from us, really. He's a... uh, a really famous, uh, famous. <laughs> He's a really famous guy. He has done a lot of cool stuff. He's won awards. Um, really done a lot of really cool things. And that trail of superlatives can lead to only one man, and that is Mr. Eddie Torres. Shouts out, shouts out for Eddie. All right. So before we get into uh, the episode and everything, we do have some news to tell you guys about, let you know what's happening, and let you know uh, what's to come. Probably the most important thing uh, for the business community, especially here in downtown, is to register your business uh, by December 31st, and December 31st is coming up very quickly. I mean, it's almost Christmas. We're just two days away. All right, so um, in regards to registering your business, what's important about that? is that uh, in the age of COVID-19, this information and data uh, is very critical. The General Business Registration Ordinance requires all entities conducting business within the city to register with the city of Aurora. By registering your business, you're contributing to the continued success and safety of your employees. Um, So, shouts out to the city. Let's get that done with the General Business Registration Ordinance. Um, You guys heard it here. You got to get it done if you are a business and want to remain a business in good standing, you will definitely uh, head on over and get that filled out. We posted the link on our social, so you can go back to our Facebook page and uh, get that link, check it out, and make sure that you get squared away. All right. Uh, Remember, Township, 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 Aurora Township has uh, elections going on. February of next year are the primaries, and then the actual elections are April 6th. Are you familiar with who is running? And better yet, are you familiar with Aurora Township and if you live in Township or not? Uh, A lot of people are not, so you can find out a lot about that. You can reach out to Mr. Alex for Aurora 
I think, is his Instagram and social media handle. We interviewed that young man. He is running for Aurora Township Supervisor. We also had the pleasure of interviewing Sherry Spears and Bonnie Kunkel both of whom are running for uh, trustee. So get to know Aurora Township. Check it out. The Aurora Township does a lot of stuff, and not many people know anything about it. Shouts out to New England Congregational Church and Art Bar for the uh, Light Up the Night Candlelight and Community that just happened on Monday. That was really good, and we're still seeing some of the social media and the pictures from that. So it was really cool. Shouts go out to all, um, excuse me, all the organizations of faith that were involved and all the community members who came out to take part too. Yesterday, we got a chance to talk to Fred Rogers. That was a really cool episode. Uh, that episode is live on YouTube. It's on our Spotify, Apple, and Google Play. Uh, subscribe to our Spotify, subscribe to our Anchor, or our YouTube channel. And that's how you can stay up to date with all the stuff that we've got going on. So much news, and we've got a whole lot more of that to come. Shots go out also to Cottonseed Creative Exchange and Allure candle company allure has um winter plum and caramel apple candles on display and for sale now at uh our friends at cotton seed creative exchange eight north broadway shots go out to yvonne and also don't forget that uh the holiday hours uh christmas eve is 11 from uh, from 11 to 4 and christmas day at cotton seed they are closed shouts out to all the small businesses in downtown aurora Shouts also go out to all the people who have been uh, participating in and ultimately applied for the Aurora CRB, that's Civilian Review Board. The deadline for that was yesterday. So if you did take part, very cool. If you did not take part, well, you're still cool. Just find out a way to get involved. Okie dokie. Now, also want to bring a uh, bring some attention to Polar Express and the Aurora Downtown Art Initiative. So, Aurora Express is the downtown-wide holiday window theme featuring trains and other modes of transportation from yesteryear to today. You can see a whole lot of good artwork by just driving down any of the streets, really, in downtown Aurora and checking out what's on the windows. Really nice stuff, really great art painted by a lot of our um, friends and fellow artists. Okay, <clears throat> now, yesterday was the holiday hope for groceries, drive through distribution, and that went very well. Uh, so shout out to the city of Aurora, Northern Illinois Food Bank, Marie Wilkins' Food Pantry as well for putting that on. And uh, I want to read something from, or excuse me, something for you from the mayor of Aurora. Uh, it's a holiday message, and I saw this, and I thought it was very well-placed. Reflect on the times we've had. This unique year of 2020 is almost done. Look forward to greater days ahead as we prepare for an amazing 2021. May our families celebrate safely so our future remains healthy and bright. We are one Aurora. We are Aurora strong. We are the city of lights. And that is a holiday message from Mayor Richard C. Irvin and the Aurora City Council. Very cool. All right, all right, all right, all right. So with that being said, I think that's all for the news, but I did have one more thing I wanted to remind you guys about. Oh, that's right. So um, let me see here. This is going to be next month. 
Next month, keep an eye out because there's going to be a whole lot of new and exciting initiatives taking place in downtown Aurora in regards to Aurora Downtown Arts. Uh, specifically, stay up to date on what's going on with the Aurora Public Art Commission and the Aurora Artists Alliance. Um, those two organizations have a whole bunch of things bubbling and cooking, and so do we. And we want to say thank you to all of our subscribers, all of our fans, and all of our listeners for sticking with us and uh, helping us to produce great content. We really appreciate it very much, and we've got a whole lot more in store for you guys coming up in 2021. You better, you better, la, 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 messing my words up. You better believe it. All right. Uh, and with that, that's the news. Glad that you took some time to come on to the show. Thank and you for speak having us today. Thanks for having me. It's yeah. an honor and pleasure. Privilege um, for the listeners and the viewers, those who aren't familiar with you, let us know who you are and where you're from. So my name is Eddie Torres. I live currently in North Aurora. Okay. Uh, born in Chicago, Northside Chicago, Wrigleyville, Go Cubs. Nope. Wrigleyville, Northside. <laughs> That's right, Northside. <laughs> but my folks, we all were Puerto Ricans. Uh, so my, but but born here, my folks were born in Puerto Rico. My dad came here at an early age, and and we started the family here. So. Okay, uh, and the story of Puerto Rican Americans, specifically in the Chicagoland area, is a history all of its own. Yes, yes, Chicago. My uh, my dad came at uh, at the age of eighteen years old. Yeah. Uh, he was eighteen years old and, and, and caught his plane like most Puerto Ricans here, and right. um, and worked all the way through his retirement. He's old school Puerto Rican. A lot of old school uh, uh, methodologies of. How you do things in life. Oh yeah, there's only one way. Yeah, yeah, there's, right. There's the American way, the Puerto Rican, the way. Puerto Rican way. Yeah, that's all. You know, they were taught one way. Yeah. Um, now you grew up on the north side of Chicago. What was your um, schooling specifically after high school? So high school was it. Um, yeah. High school and. Uh, the thing was that we, you know, because of the, the old school mentality of the Puerto Ricans, you know, there was never a lot of talk about college in our home. It was just get through school and go to work. Right. You know, so, and, and you know, I'm, I'm not proud enough to say anymore that I didn't finish high school, but I continued on and got my GED after. Right. And that was a decision that uh, was made at home. We, we relocated from the north side to a little further south to the Humble Park, Puerto Rican area. Okay. So, the, the yes. Heart yes, exactly. Puerto Rican community. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that kind of changed the dynamics in school and, you know, ended up having to go to work from that point on. Right. Yeah. Uh, what year was this? This was 84. 384. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what was Chicago like in the 80s, your slice of America at that time? Chicago, um, Northside Chicago was wonderful. You know, we were, um, it was such a, a mixture of people, um, you know, the, the community I lived in, we, there was, the, you know, Amer uh, Native American Indians, there was, um, the sound that you guys are listening to is our doorbell here at the offices of Good Morning Aurora. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> and so, um, in very interracial neighborhood, and right. we all got along. There was whites, there was blacks, there was Latins, there was, uh, like I said, there was Indians. There was, you know, we and there was no. I mean, we all got along literally. I right. mean, I've had so growing up. Then it was such such a such a good time to you could jump out and play in the community or in the streets with the kids. You know, and we were very creative with what with the very little that we had. Mm -hmm. uh, but everyone got along. We it was just there was no tension or issues like we have now it was it was it, in my community my area where i lived in, it was a lot of uh it was good times now of memories uh now the editors of the 80s during this time that we're talking about um what was your 
outlook at that time, what you've become and what you've done, you're familiar with. But what was Eddie Torres's mind like? What was he focused on during those days? Music. Music. Um, and only because at the age of nine, my dad walks in uh, with a $26 guitar. Uh, $26 was a big deal at home. And he didn't play guitar, but he brought in a guitar for him to learn. Hmm. He plays loader instrumentation, and I gravitated to it. And we went to a, to a small community uh, Catholic church, and they had some musicians. And I would sit in the front and watch the guys play, and I would memorize their chord hand positions, come home and practice. That lit up a whole thing of music for me that I didn't have within me. So hmm. in my high school years, my it was anything that had to do with music. So I was in band, you know, I joined a band, and there was some local band uh, 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 group also in the school, and um, I would join that. And I was also heavily involved in church, um, being as I grew up into a teenage, my teenage years. And so music was my my thing. It's it's what lit me up. So everything that I did. Um, had to have music involved. My, my, it was just I was anything that was done. You know, if it was a recording studio, if it was a, a band or some singers, I just gravitated to it immediately. Um, now, did your now when you started gravitating towards the music and everything, uh, was it something that your parents encouraged you? I mean, you talked about the dad and twenty six dollar guitar. Yeah. Uh, how was your mom taking it at that time? My mom was like. Um, my mom was okay with it. I don't think my parents necessarily were lit up by it as much as I was. Um, they, I think they were impressed by how fast I was learning on my own. Um, you know, 26, a $26 guitar two years later became a $80 bass because they saw my, dedica my dedication and I wanted to learn how to play the bass. So my dad went to the old, um, the old uh, Montgomery Ward building or stores mm -hmm. uh, right. and <laughs> back in the day. And, um, bought an $80 guitar, and, and, and even then we bought, he bought the, the bass, rather, he bought the electronic, the electric bass, and without an amp, and, and I'm practicing and learn, trying to learn how to play the bass on my own, and my mom says, um, why, why is this, well, I can't hear it, I, don't, I can't hear it, why is it not loud like the acoustic guitar, you know, mm -hmm. I said, well, I think I need an amp. <laughs> so right. we're like, oh, so we had to get, so now we're saving money to get this small little $25 small amp to plug the bass in so I can practice. Uh -huh. But they just lit up by um, the the fact that I was learning on my own so quickly. Um, and I think they took an appreciation to it. And I only say that because I'm trying to jog my memory back to um, to the moments when I would play an instrument and to see their response. I'm like visually trying to see their face mm -hmm. at that time, that time frame. And I just remember that, like, wow, you learned that on your own. There was no push about, we're going to send you to music school, we're going to you know, spend some uh, time and some, save some money to, to get you into a music and learn more or invest in your, your music career or opportunities. It was just, wow, you could do that. You know, that's right. amazing. Um, now, separate from music and kind of encompassing all things, what impact did your mom have on your life overall? Say that question one more time. Sorry. So uh, besides the music uh -huh. and, you know, encouraging there, what impact did your mom have over your life overall? Overall, yeah. From then to now, mm -hmm. um, the success of music. I think the success of music and my dedication to family. Those two, they admire the. And, and I'm the middle child. There's only three siblings, okay. and there's two brothers and and my sister. And being the middle child, for whatever reason, my my mom has always felt that I'm more of a responsible, uh, and and had my things, my ducks in orders in terms of family and 
and my career. Mm -hmm. And so they, till this day, she still says, you know, um, if, if something happens with my daughter, my sister, who's older, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, she calls me, you know, your, your sister's doing this and, you know, or if it's my younger brother and we're six years apart, you know, your brother's doing this and I'm like, why do I have to deal with right, this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got phones. Yeah, they got phones. The middle child, you know, the middle child syndrome. So um, that impacted them because I hear the comments and, and even fast forward on a really uh, uh, a special moment in, in my life and in, in my older age. And this just happened about two years ago. Uh, my mom called me, she lives in Puerto Rico, now they retired and moved to Puerto Rico. Okay. And she says, son, I want, you know, it was Mother's Day. It was Mother's Day and she said, and, and she's calling me, uh, you know, and mm -hmm. hey son, how are you? And I said, mom, happy Mother's Day, first thing in the morning, how are you, good? And everything's good. She said, listen, I want to apologize to you. And I said, mom, apologize for what? She says, she says, I was watching a show of this mother and son and they had a broken relationship because the mom was brought up in a weird, strange way and she didn't know how to do things how to how to uh, how to nurture a child as, as as much and so it wasn't the best relationship and she says and i and i know i'm not perfect and i want to apologize i know i could you know anything that i did to you when i was younger and i hurt you and you know i want to apologize and, and i'm sorry and you know i'm 50 years old and i'm hearing my mom say this this you know this time you know i broke down like a baby i mean I just because i didn't see it coming mm -hmm. but something moved her and, and like i said we didn't come from the best home uh, my home was a broken home you know as a child we did see a lot of bad things um but they f they took a turn when they started going to church and and are, they're still married you know i think 50 50 something years now in marriage uh it's the only marriage they that either have had um and and so now it's a better now our relationship has been it's it's it's, it's beautiful, beautiful thing. it's a beautiful thing dad mom yeah we get along really good yeah my uh my parents are divorced so i didn't start off in a broken home it became a broken home so I remember when it was nice and then like everybody's fighting and the bad shit yeah um, but like it's interesting because when your parents do that it makes you see them as somebody other than a parent yeah. kind of thing so I can relate you know yeah. so I, I can relate to that I, my dad one time it struck me my dad was crying one time I, I'll never forget like I walked into his room and he was crying my dad didn't know his dad Mm. And uh, seeing my dad cry, like, made me, I don't, you know, right? Yeah, man, it's not, it's not an easy, th my, you, my dad didn't know his, his parents, my dad's an orphan, he, you know, you mentioned that's another common yeah. story, I guess we have, you know, dad, um, when he came here to America, he was, he was already living, his, his mom was blind, you know, so at the age of, I think it was the age of around eight years old, he, he was bounced from uncles to aunt's house right. and and on his own from that on and they never knew who his dad was till this day and and it's still a sensitive topic you know I'll, I'll because I wanted to show my try to get a, a, a family tree together for my kids and mm -hmm. my grandkids you know and um, and so there's a history of us and, and where the Tauruses came from right and so I have that I will engage that conversation with dad occasionally and and dad's, you know, he gets, you could see it's a sensitive time. So why do you keep asking these questions? I told you, I don't know anyone. I, I don't know. Right. I don't know. And it breaks my heart when I, when I hear this from him. And sometimes I'm trying to see if he's answering out of frustration or maybe he knows someone. He doesn't want to talk about it. Um, so, so I always tread that conversation lightly with him. Um, but yeah, dad, as you didn't, you know, did not know his dad yeah. or his mom. You know, really. So $26 guitar. $80 bass and a $25 amp. 
So now we've we've spent a little bit of money on some equipment. Yeah, a little money. <laughs> got me some got me an, an elite setup there <laughs> for an right. eleven year old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Marvin Gaye move over. That's right, coming through. <laughs> um, so now with all of that, uh, still, what's our process looking like? What's our first job? What's Eddie Torres' first job around this time? So my first job, you know, I, it was it all was hands on. So I, in high school and my sophomore year of high school. I was part of a uh, school program called Co Cooperative Work Training Program. Okay. So it taught the students, um, you know, work and responsibility and mm -hmm. showing up on time, et cetera. And so I was going, I was working at McDonald's while I was going uh, to the high school, okay. you know, and making my, my little money there. And then, then I took a job at a pharmacy and I was a stock, a stock kid mm -hmm. doing, uh, stocking up in the pharmacy and that was in the Gold Coast of downtown. Um, oh, I wow. Yeah, it was cool. I remember going having to... You know, go to some, some unique buildings to deliver, including the Playboy building, which is the is right. going back then. It were it was it was a centerpiece you go in, and the girls are dressed up as in bunnies. But it was just how they greeted people in. You know, right. they had their clothes on, but back then they had the little bunny with the bunny yeah. tail. Yeah, vintage. Yeah, very yeah. vintage. Yep. So I'm walking in there with you know in the building to bring the supplies over to whoever ordered. You could the people tenants were would call the pharmacy at a little grocery store and order their stuff. Um, so that was my basically my second job and you know and and moved on I got married young at the age of 21 you know wow. and yeah and and so at, at the age of 21 coincidentally that year I aligned at a city job um, so I was a, a guy with the city Department of Aviation I was working at Midway Airport that job lasted 13 years I um, moved up I was in ground transportation dealing yeah. with landside uh, uh, landside uh, vehicles and you know commercial vehicles and moved up to a supervisor. So I got became got into management. I was promoted there, and you know now managing last landside operations. And and so I did 13 years. That job last 13 years. I left that job to start my career where I'm at now. Midway. Uh, Midway Airport Midway Department Airport. of Aviation. Yeah. Wow. So the old Midway. The old. If you remember the. Oh oh. I oh yeah. <laughs> you can pull right up front and walk right in. I remember, it was boy. everyone loved Midway because of that. It was sweet. <laughs> Midway was always my favorite airport. Oh yes. I was always a Midway dude. Not O'Hare. <laughs> Not like, O'Hare. I remember being um. Remember, I, 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 it made me feel good to go on like family trips, go to like Georgia by myself on a plane as a young kid. Yeah. And I remember like being like 14 and kind of snobby, like, he's O'Hareous. <laughs> yeah, know right, exactly. <laughs> Midway is the working class kind of airport. Mid Midway is the blue collar. It sure was. Um, yep. Yep. All right, so now you've got a city job, you're married at 21. Life is perfect, right? Life is, life is a learning experience, life is looking good. Um, I'm still pursuing my music uh, uh, career now. At this point, I'm I'm a gigging bass player, okay. you know. So now my my opportunities as a bass player was broadened, you know. So I had an opportunity to play in in different different venues and concerts with artists, with a uh, with in in, in uh, church events and uh, recordings. Um, mm -hmm. um, and so that was that was all I was focused on becoming the ba the best bass player around. So I was really into you know. Uh, just into my instrument, you know, really fine-tuning this, connecting with other musicians, looking for opportunities as I was working at the city of Chicago. Okay. And that sometimes became kind of tight, kind of tough, too, for some of the uh, some of the heavy schedules between the two. So, like, for example, playing all night, now you got to go to work in the morning? Yeah, kind of thing. I wasn't really a, I was never a clubber player, if you would, you know, okay. to say I was never the guy to go in at 11 at midnight to play at, at a venue and, and get home at four or five in the morning to get you okay. know, go right back to work. 
uh, those gigs I usually turn down uh, because of family, because of, I really never right. wanted to follow that pursuit. I was always, always more interested in the corporate and the professional world of, of the music industry. Right. So, um, so it wasn't as cumbersome as that okay. up until I got into music production, which is another conversation. Oh, <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, one of the things that I think is important that you know for people who are interested in, uh, you know, maybe not just film, music, but entertainment is was there in your particular tour was there a moment when you thought man you know i'm digging it but maybe i'm not making maybe i should just hang it up and get a nine to five well you had nine to five but mm -hmm. was there ever a moment when you kind of started to waver in your own personal story with this oh yeah yeah there's most most musicians will will probably say the same um mm -hmm. there's always that you know you have your peaks and even the best you know, have their peaks, and then they, there's no peaks. And you're, where do I go next? What do I do next? I'm not getting the calls. Um, right. They're not coming through. Um, so there are, there, there was plenty of moments where I felt um, that not enough was coming, not enough work was coming through, which is challenging for a musician because then we look at ourselves, are we good enough? Or, you know, musicians are, you know, the industry sometimes demands a certain look, a certain image of a yeah. musician's for, depending on the level of, your performance right so if you're getting on stage with an a-list artist you have to look to par right right so if you're you know if you're much older and you got gray hair and you know you got a little chunk in, in front of you here you had a little gut you may not get that gig no right. matter how well and how many chords you can play but the, you get the young kid that's you know 20 years old looking good sharp nice and slick and all he knows about three or four chords He'll probably get on the set before you do. So that becomes, for a musician, becomes a, you know, a challenge for us how to deal with that. Because no one prepares us for that. You know, you know. What do you like most about being a musician? Creative. The creativeness of it. Hmm. Um, the fact that music can be used in so many applications. And it's something that moves the heart no matter what. You know, it's going to set a tone for something. Music. Right. And... I like that. I like to see the people lit up when, when they hear music. And do you have, what's the name of your band? So I don't have a band. You don't have a band? Okay. No, no, I, I've never had a, well, I did. I was a, uh, with a, a, friend, a friend of mine we had, for a little, for a short period, we had a, a Latin jazz band. What was the name of it? Rushing Wind. <laughs> it's just the name of my business, Rushing Wind Productions. Kind of dope. Yeah. Rushing Wind, yeah. yeah. It, it's a, it comes from the Bible. It's a, it's a whole thing. But it was, it was a friend of mine who was a great pianist. He did a lot of great things. And, uh, and some other friends, we got together and we just started doing Latin jazz gigs and, and that kind of stuff. I like Latin jazz. Um, so I don't, I, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh -huh. uh, Fania Records. Oh yeah, Fania Records. In that era. Uh -huh. uh, I don't know if that is Latin jazz, but there was a lot of artists yes. kind of moving in that direction with that. Yeah, that was that was heavier in the salsa. Okay. Uh, salsa right. world. Um, with, there's, with Latin jazz, there's, there is a similarity. Um, but it's a fusion between salsa and jazz is basically what it is. Hmm. Um, but the the Fania is is was big in salsa. That was in the seventies. That mm -hmm. was huge. Good and, stuff. That's what I Yeah, it was good I stuff. Still, good story. I still play it at home. I'm cooking up or making. <laughs> you know, something. Yeah, my neighbors looking at me like, this is crazy. Over there. <laughs> um, now explain the difference between salsa, bachata, and cumbia. The other one? Yeah, cumbia. There's cumbia. a reggaeton, which reggaeton, is involved yeah. now. Well, salsa, I think, so reggaeton, uh, outside of cumbia, reggaeton, uh, bachata, 
those those kind of came about later on in the industry, and I think they they were, they were pretty much a fusion of the Latin music period. Huh. You know, they would take some Latin elements and they would drop it. You know, with this beat, this backbeat, um, and and the end, boom, got them, boom, got them, boom. You know, and, like, oh, and that's kind of yeah, <laughs> and that seemed to move people, so it just became a hit. And and so reggaeton, you know, you know all these big names, Daddy Yankee and Don right. Omar, you know, all these guys just blew up because of of that beat somehow they, they you know grabbed some latin elements and and added this backbeat behind it and called it reggaeton and you know which has a little reggae to it too it does. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so they fuse all that together now uh, uh cumbia is more of a, a that's more of a traditional um i think it stems from um actually colombia mm-hmm. i believe is where cumbia comes from and even mexican um it has this you know it has some of a similarity of reggaeton but it's much slower at a slower tempo right yeah now now i'm for my latino listeners and viewers you know we love y'all but that's the stuff that, that yeah. sounds like the clown music right uh-huh yep okay. yep yep exactly circus coming to town um i have always liked creativity i've always liked those styles of music even if i couldn't decipher which was which I was listening to, or what the words were. Right. Um, do you perform in English and Spanish, or is it strictly English? Most English, but I perform both, and I have performed both. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, the different genres. I mean, you know, from yeah, I've done everything pretty much uh, except um, uh, punk rock. Right. <laughs> Remember the acid? Maybe you should do one. I know, right? Call it, call it well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's a good one. <laughs> um, so before we get into Russian wind, yeah. before we get into that, uh, I just want to ask you, what does America mean to you? Oh my God, it, I mean, opportunity. Uh, just this was a good, a good opener for me in, in, in viewing America uh, most recently. So I was in a um, in a meeting. Uh, it was a meeting. It was more of a workshop of the industry, the film industry. There was a gentleman who comes from France lives in California now. He was heavy in sales of the, the film industry, mm-hmm. finding distribution deal for people. And um, and he was sharing about our country versus, let's say, France. He says, let me let me put this in perspective. He says, I have this movie that I did that's it's a very decent movie, but it was done with a lower budget, obviously, but it was well shot. Everything looks class A. He says, I wanted to get this in the right hands for an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I don't recall what label company he called or the individual. But let's just say it was uh, Warner Brothers and, you know, John Smith at Warner Brothers. He says, he says, in America, he says, I was able to pick up the phone. The receptionist answers and says, hey, I want to talk to John Smith. And like, okay, who's calling? All right, one second. And after about 15 minutes, he got right to the call. Um, the call, there's another assistant to John Smith. She picks up. Yes, who's this? Oh, okay, John Smith will be right with you. Can, uh, can he call you right back? Sure, no problem. Well, he hung up the phone. He's thinking, he's not going to get that call back, right? It's John Smith from Warner Brothers. Right. Fifteen minutes later, phone rings. It's John Smith from Warner Brothers. How can I help you? He says, you try doing that in France, good luck to you. You're not going to be able to get to anyone. Um, that being said, it's it's a place where, for creative people particularly, but I think in general, if, if you're really determined to get something and want something, have passion and a heartbeat for it, Set patience, set set all the things and all the challenges to the side, and if you just see that tunnel vision of where you want to get to, you can do that here. You really in America 
have that opportunity. Right. You know, um, it's 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 part of my life journey. You know, everything I do, I call it my journey, um, because I just go for it. You know, and if you're in another world, another country, good luck with that. You know, there's so much red tape. There's so much, so many other things. Now you're just that's just not going to happen. You know. Yeah. Um, but America means for me that the opportunity um, for you to get get somewhere if you're determined, you, you just keep at it. Forget the challenge, just go for it. So your perspective on this is important, I think, for people to hear because uh, <clears throat> with parents who have the background that you do, um, it's definitely that it, it definitely seems that Puerto Rico and Puerto Rico culture has been a strong point, a strong focal point in your life. But I'm anxious, and I'd like to see how America plays a part and what your perspective is on that. Uh, it's interesting because a lot of people have stories other than yours, and when I ask that same question, they're, uh, America, you know, it's kind of gloom and doom. Uh -huh. And I, I find that, you know, this is a question I ask of everybody. It's interesting to see what people's uh, responses, responses are. Yeah. yeah. And I could see that. I mean, uh, um, man, my, day, my day starts with, with, with always with a prayer. You know, when I jump in the studio, um, and there's so many other guys that I know have gotten so much, you know, they've gotten much greater accolades and success than, than you know, I'm a fraction of, of that where they've gotten to, but I don't focus on that. I, I, I focus on the opportunities. I focus on the opportunity that I have daily to make music, right. to be able to be able to be in my element and, and to live in a country where I can do that. Um, and have the freedom to that, and as long as my wife says it's cool, <laughs> I, I'm in. You know, it, right. it's it's all it's all good. So I, I I feel yeah. I don't. I have not. You know, outside of yeah, do we run into challenges in America? Sure, but they're just challenges like anything else. Taxes, you know, for or gasoline is higher across the street than it is over here. That's a challenge in itself. You know, right. we're making that decision, and why? No. You just go for what's best for you and just press forward. We get that. We get that here in the U.S. The time is now 8.34 a.m. And you are listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. And we're glad to be joined by Mr. Eddie Torres of Rushing Wind Productions. Yes, correct. Productions. All right. Rushing Wind. Where does that name come from? So that comes from a Bible, a Bible verse um, that, that talks about the Holy Spirit. Uh, coming in the mountain to the people like violent rushing winds. We just right. omitted the violent. Okay, <laughs> the, yeah, the rushing winds. <laughs> and it wasn't really a typhoon. Yeah. It was kind of like yeah. a breeze. It was a just breeze. a breeze, a little breeze, <laughs> and it was a good breeze for the people. Right. Um, and it stemmed from the initial Latin jazz band. We had that, um, and what uh, uh, was my partner in the business at that time? You know, we just said let's start a music production, and let's just call it the same name as the jazz band. We'll just we'll just add production to it. So we did that. Uh, him and I, him and I parted ways, uh, and we're still great friends. Mm -hmm. No bad feelings. And and then I started my you know, DBA and got my own business license, and you know try to learn a little bit. And again, I don't have a lot of schooling behind me, so it was a lot of learning and figuring things out. But I'm trying to do it as good as I could. No, I feel you with the yeah. uh, the the non-schooling. Some of the best advice I've given, or I've been given, excuse me, and some of the most actionable advice. Has not come from the guy with his damn Columbia degree of theater and all that. Uh -huh. Like I've had the best tips from a brother. Like, look, my yeah. dad taught me this. Yeah. Turn the mic towards the guy, and you can hear his. You know, <laughs> That's like, it. oh shit, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> or turn the phantom power on the mic works. <laughs> exactly. Um, but also, uh, as you detail to us, yeah, you have an experience of having having to work, get this instrument, learn it, master it, 
grow and develop yourself. So I think that's pretty cool. Now, is, is Russian Wind Production, is that, uh, you do film, you do music, what else does it encompass? So it encompasses anything I can do music. Okay. And here's, here's where I learned that. Um, I came into music production thinking I was just going to be the music producer, produce the artist or make the music arrangements, you know, the letter A to letter Z in, in, in music world, yeah. the whole behind the scene. And found out that I'm really narrowing my opportunities. I'm really trying to stay in one lane where I can do more with what I have. Um, and I got an opportunity to write a jingle for uh, Telemundo. Oh, what? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Telemundo Chicago, right? <laughs> Shout out Telemundo. Telemundo. <laughs> so I was excited about that opportunity. I'm like, Jingle, wait. You know, what What does that mean? What You know, it was just music. It's just creating more music, but you're just creating it in for a different format. Right. So, wait, you could do voiceovers too in the studio? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Let's yeah. create. So I get an opportunity to be a voiceover talent for a, a uh, 3D animation uh, uh, book and character that's out on Amazon, you know, um, and, um, and so I do as much as I can. Now, I'm, I'm also of the mind that, you know, you know, what is it, jack of all trades and master of none. Yep. I don't like that. I'd like to master one. And so really the mastering of me of what I do in the music world is making music. So learning music as it, as it applies to the artist, as it applies to film, as it applies to a jingle, to a commercial. You know, um, and Telemundo doing that, that opened some, some, you know, good opportunities. I did Delray Farm. I did, um, I did um, uh, TCF Bank. Um, I did a few different, you know, and even some advertisement agencies would contact to do some right. jingles for them. And, um, and the whole boys, uh, remember the old commercial, the, uh, the whole town talking about the bad boys, the bad boys, the old, I don't know if you ever the heard. The web boys. The web boys, yes, yes. You did that? I did the Spanish version of that. Holy <laughs> shit. Yo, let me get your autograph. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. And that was later on, and it was it was radio played. So if you yeah. ever hear the Spanish version of that, I gave it a different flair, kind of a cumbia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my <laughs> God. They got a to it. But yeah, that was that was a wonderful experience. So it, that just made me to I'm like I just don't I gotta make me, music for whatever. Was it all right? So with that Spanish version of that jingle, would it would it have played on the like, like La Ley and all those? So the advertisement agency kind of coordinated the the stations they were okay. using, but I think they were they were attacking every possible Latin radio station, sure. both FM and AM dials. Because there ain't that. I'm showing my age. There haven't been that many Latin radio stations in the Chicago in Chicago. No, right? now recently I think I found a. I don't know how long it's been around, but I found a dial on, on FM ninety. I don't know, somewhere around ninety three point something, mm -hmm. and I hear a lot of reggaeton there. Okay. Recently, and it's just yeah. Uh, but you're right. Historically, there wasn't. You know, yeah. unless outside of going to the. The whole town was talking about the web, 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 web boys. The web boys. The web boys. Yeah. So now it's like. Town is talking about the web Yeah, but in Spanish. <laughs> yeah, the directors love yeah. it. I'm like, oh, great, yeah. you know. So. Latino car purchases are up 30%. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good, I should look into that. Yeah. <laughs> That's too good. Um, so, when we talk about producing a jingle as opposed to a song or music, what is the process? Is it the same or are there differences? There are differences on a technical end. Okay. Make, making music is making music, you know, creating a hook. You know, you're giving a thought of, like, what could be catchy. Mm -hmm. 
um, is it a um, hundred jazz chords to the novice ear or the, the average person or is it a good three or four notes of a hook that people could understand and catch um, and that's generally the case so and then you're basically creating a format for if it's radio jingle you know you have a 60 a 30 and 15 second kind of a spot generally that mm -hmm. they like you to cut um, but it's really that it's just formatting the jingle for that time the time frame so they're generally much shorter you know there's you know um, the lyrics are very short um, um, and that's really it but it, ultimately it's, it's creating the same music as you are for an artist you're just trying to make it you know fit the style of the you know the product that right. you're trying to brand what was your first film so my first film, the best story ever. I love this because <laughs> <laughs> told you, bro. We, yeah, we get there. We get there. <laughs> my first film was called Now with the Jewel. It's an international film, mm -hmm. um, and it, you want me to go into the story? Just oh a little yeah, bit? No, yeah. Okay. So I get a call from this wonderful lady uh, who says, "Hey, um, you know, I dropped your name uh, for a film, and uh, yes. you know, he says, I, he's, I, you know, you're interested." And I said, "Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm interested." And and didn't think anything of it. All of a sudden, I get a call from Los Angeles for a producer. And he says to me, you know, introduces himself. And he says, how'd you like to score this movie? We've seen some of your work. And, and um, we're interested in you scoring the film. And I said, yeah, no problem. Yeah, okay, great. And so... Um, you and coach? Yeah, I'm getting coach. You know, try to do diligent. Met this guy who's an attorney in, in, in Los Angeles. Kind of coached me through some of the, mm -hmm. the legal stuff. And, um, and agreed to do it, you know. And then all of a sudden... You know, it calls back. It's okay. So here's your challenge. You have a film that's um, in two languages. It's Malayalam, India, mm -hmm. and in English. They're going to shoot in, in Malayalam first, and then they're, they're going to reset the crew and set and start shooting in English. Um, you have one month to score this film. I said, okay, one month. Now, no problem. No problem. <laughs> I got this. Okay, you sure? Yes, no problem. By the way, the director's from India, and he doesn't speak much English. Said, okay, so India is about ten hour difference. So I said, okay, hung up the call, and I said, what did I get myself into? But I learned to not say no to opportunity. I've I've learned to say yes, I can do that, and I'll figure it out. I know how to make music. I just got I just got to figure out the logistics. But I say I don't say no to opportunity. So I said, I'm in. I hang up, and I'm freaking out, but I'm gonna do this. So the director calls and the first night and, and realized, well, he's calling me at like midnight, one in the morning. It's because our time's different. That's the right. morning for them. It's my, so now my hours shifted to 80 hours, and, 80 hours a week, and I'm working through the night. I would literally was sleeping two, three hours if I got two or three hours of sleep. Right. Um, and so I was working through the night because that's when I was dealing with their tech department, with their department, when they started sending me the, the, the reels. And, um, and at so... This, at the time, though, you're still working for Midway? No, no. So I gave, uh, at Midway, I resigned in 201, 2001. Okay. okay. That's when I got my business license and got my uh, uh, DBA okay. for, right. for Rushing with Productions. Cool. So this just came about in around 2006 okay. when I got the film um, opportunity. Uh, wait, no, 2000, yeah, 2006. And so I said, yeah, I'm in. And, and so then all of a sudden, um, I'm dealing with the crew overnight and um, that was the biggest challenge. I never shaved. Um, I'd go to bed at five in the morning. My wife is getting up at 4.30 in the morning to get ready to, to go to her job. 
downtown Chicago. And so I'm saying good morning. She's saying, you know, goodbye, <laughs> going to bed. Right. And about 10 o'clock, I'm getting back up. Um, and I would rush down to the studio and work that same cycle all the way to the next morning. Shit. Because I had two films to do. Sure. I committed and I said, this, no one here in the U.S. I feel would have got, got, gave me the opportunity with not knowing that I didn't know how to do film. That was my, my thoughts. Not mean that would, you know, couldn't happen. Right. So then, um, so I went ahead and I scored the film, didn't shave, you know, I, I look a mess. I mean, I didn't clean or anything. My wife was like, you got to do something about that face. Yeah. <laughs> I said, no. You're looking like Tom Hanks like, and he was doing the road Exactly. Yeah. And I said, no, this is just kind of, maybe it's just a symbi- symbolical thing. I'm yeah. just, you know. And so, so I finished the film, the both languages in 30 days. And, and, and so, so much learning on the technical end of this that I literally fought my way. I didn't have anyone I can go to that say, hey, all right, so once I finish with, with all the reels, I mean, I had a hundred and something tracks of instrumentation on, on these film reels. And I said, what, you know, what do I do when I finish? How do, you know, and, and how do I get this done? And I, I just didn't have anyone. It was just like, literally, I had to figure it out. Right. Uh, and so I scored it. And so I send the first piece to the director. And uh, it, was the, uh, it was a certain scene. I sent, him, sent it to him. And he responds right away. He says, I knew I picked the right guy. When he said that, I was like, I'm in. I'm in. I'm getting paid. I'm in. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know that feeling. Cha-ching, cha-ching. Cha-ching, cha-ching. I'm in. I'm in. Uh, yeah. So I pressed forward. But here was the depressing part for a moment. So the last reel, he says to me, this final reel is the main piece of the film. This film is based on a true story of an Iranian uh, girl uh, who was hung mm-hmm. to death because she protected herself. She killed a, an, a federal official who was trying to rape her. Mm-hmm. In addition to the other federal f- official that had raped her already. Right. So she was in prison for this and she was sentenced to death. Now, in the film, they made it a fiction to twist it to give it a better end. Sure. I don't want to spoil it. But I think I just did. <laughs> but, oh, I've seen this movie. Yeah, you've seen this movie. Yeah, it was out last week. <laughs> and so, so, um, so this scene... Was when she's walking to the rope to get hung okay. was very crucial. A moment between her mom seeing her daughter getting walked to this rope, and I mean it's it's a beautiful setup. Um, he says this film, this the music here has to be it has to tear the heart apart. Right. It has to tear the you have. Right. So I said, okay, I've always been in. I always aired in less is more. It's my approach in film. I'd rather the director say, you're on track, give me a little more with that, as opposed to, no, you're totally off track. So I write a piece of music, very simple. It was more of a, of a piano, ambient piano, while she's walking. There's no dialogue. Uh, there's no foley. There's nothing. It's just silence and this ambient piano as the guards are walking her to, this, to her platform where she's going to get hung. So I write this piece of music, and I think, man, I said, I'm feeling it. You know, so I, every, anytime I wrote it, you know, I'm looking at the scene. I said, is it moving my own heart? Is it moving me? And I felt it. So I send it to him. Get a, get a response a day later. He said, I'm very disappointed in you. I said, this is not, I had higher expectation for this scene. This is not what, I'm, what I need. This is not what I want. I need more. I sat down on the couch and I didn't know how to take that information. I, you know, I thought I lost a job at that point. I said, mm-hmm. I just messed up here. And I text my wife and I said, I think I screwed up. <laughs> I thought this is it. Right. And so, um, so I said, what are you going to do? And I said, I got to do, I got to get back in it. So I jumped back in there, 
built on that same because that that chord that melody line just felt so good to me it felt good i'm like you didn't scrap it i didn't scrap it you i built on it so i built on that track did some more things added some strings gave it a little more ambient gave it a little more feet gave it a little more heartbeat i sent it off three days later i respond he responds back to me in a text and he says i still saved the text he says to me uh he says you just made me cry thank you eddie this is what i wanted so when I'm hearing a director say, I just made you cry as a director, you know, directors don't really cry. I mean, it's just right. to get them to get moved. Um, they had over 125 uh, crew members on this film. It was a pretty well-budgeted and put-together film. Um, and, and so he moved. And after I'm, I've never met him in person until, until I went out and got my first nomination for that film in, in Amsterdam. But it... It, it was the seal. It was the seal of the deal. From that from that moment on, it was like me understanding now how to work with a director. I'm like, I got to learn to under, understand it. So that that was the film that my first film to to, to work on. Now was your first director. director working with. Yes. First everything. Basically. First everything in film. Um, what did it feel like getting that award, and what was the award? So I got. Um, so okay, that's another little short story. I'll break. I'll, I'll, Keep going, bro. <laughs> Keep it up. <laughs> so I'm sitting down at the. Yes. Oh man. <laughs> I hope people take some good out of this, man. Uh, so I'm sitting down at the couch. It's Sunday night, about 8 o'clock in the evening, watching some TV with my wife. I get a text from the director. Did you see my email? And I said to him, uh, no, it's Sunday. You know, I'm not really checking my emails. And so I said to him, uh, no, I'll check now. So I went in my email. So it says, congratulations, you've just been nominated for Best Original Score oh, for this film. <laughs> good so, win. Good win. win. And Winning. I'm looking at this, and I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I was in sole disbelief. It felt so surreal. I didn't say anything to my wife till two days later. I'm sitting on the couch. I just I text him back. Is this real? He says, "Yes, my friend. You deserve this and more. Congratulations. Thank you for being a vital part of this film." So I hang up and and I'm just watch, I kept watching TV. It didn't just and I was just going through my whole mind process. The following day came about. It's still processing to me. On day two, I send my wife a message. I text her. I didn't even tell her in person. She said, "I said to her, by the way, I was nominated." best original score she said oh wow what do you mean what does that mean i said i don't know i know they're flying me out there so fast forward i'm thinking the nomination man that to me that's just that's the win right i get to the award i get to the amsterdam well, I even got a win. no i got no <laughs> win i got a nomination i'm happy about you know nomination is like a win for me yeah so i get to amsterdam they fly me out there we meet we got our own banquet it's the red carpet day and um everyone's out I'm dressed everyone's looking sharp they got all these screens they're gonna just you know they're gonna do the show and I'm sitting with the director. First time I meet him, we get, you know, we finally met face to face. And they had a couple of the actors from the film and some of the film guys were there. So a bunch of people, met a lot of other great people in, during that week because it's a film fest. So you have an opportunity to meet other film directors and, and, and get to connect and, you know, network, et cetera. Oh, yeah. And my name is Eddie. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I do music. <laughs> like, who's this dude? Yeah, who's this dude? I, I was nominated. Yeah, I was nominated, man. <laughs> so now we're sitting down at the awards show and they start, you know, announcing the different categories and they get to the category of, of uh, best original score and there was about 25 other films that were also nominated uh, around the world because this is an international fest and you know I, in my mind I'm, I know I'm not going to win you know so I'm just excited I'm like who's going to win this is kind of a cool experience I'm just watching the screen and they get to our film they show that little quick clip and they mention my name on there and they show the next clip, next, you know, and I keep going on. And then at the very end, it 
the host up there with her nice, wonderful British accent, and you know, and the, the winner for the best original score is Nala the Jewel, Eddie Torres. And I'm sitting there, and everyone just stands up on my table, and I had some, I developed some good relationship with some other film directors uh -huh. that I, I heard them from a distance. They were make yelling over there, you know. And I'm sitting out, and the one actress was sitting next to me. She says, "You got to say a speech." So she hits me with the elbow, Eddie, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, so, I mean, I felt my body literally shrink, shrink. I felt like I was just, I couldn't move." So she says, "You got to get up." So I get up. I was totally unprepared. I did not have a speech card. I didn't have anything about, you know, I want to thank the Academy or I want to thank yeah, anything. None yeah. of that. So I get, I get to the front. They give me the mic. They give me the award. They're snapping pictures. And, you know, and I, I got so nervous I forgot to – I thanked everyone except the film director. Oh! <laughs> Talk about a boo-boo. <laughs> I want to thank my mom. Yeah, yeah. Yes, everyone. Everyone yeah. got thanked except my director. I apologize later on. He made, he made a noise. He said, you forgot to mention me. <laughs> and I, I apologize. I'm so sorry. Had to um, go good with that British accent name. Eddie Torres. an Eddie Torres. And yeah, it was fantastic. I, you know. It was it was the best experience ever um, to win. I had no I had no reason. I, I didn't grow I didn't grow up winning awards or you know winning you know, medallions or anything like that. You know, so this this was very significant. Not the product itself is just the, you have the trophy. It's it's always a memory, but it's me. It's the journey. You know, I see that and I see God what it took, what I've done on my own. Right. You know, the challenges in life just to be able to get this one. Who was the director of this film? Uh, Renji, uh, Renji, I always have trouble pronouncing it, but his first name is Renji, Renji da, Damonan. Okay. Um, now this is what's considered Bollywood, is that correct? Uh, uh, Mollywood. Mollywood. Yeah, India is huge in the film industry, so uh -huh. they have Bollywood, Mollywood, and I think there's another one. Those are the three major uh, film industry. Mollywood is the Mal Malayalam side of the country. There's okay. another a huge okay. film industry. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, I think that's like a provincial area, something like that. I could be. This is not National Geographic today. No. <laughs> I know. I We're talking about film, not right. <laughs> Social studies. No, that's good, though. All right. Um, so now, we you've won your first award. Yes. You're in Amsterdam. You're sitting there. You've received your accolades and things like that. Tell me about coming back from Amsterdam as a winner. I came back... Um, Excited, obviously, and I'm, I got that award inside my backpack, you know, coming across. And even when I go through security checkpoints, you know, they, they see an object and they're like, what is right. this? So they're going to inspect, they inspect, and oh, congratulations, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I should have done some selfies like, with some oh, of the TSA shit. guys. <laughs> yeah, because they're pulling out all their, like, congratulations, yeah. you know. Watch out, Eddie Torres, Right, exactly. <laughs> so I came home and, and I took a day off, and the second day I came down to work to the studio and, and I sat there. Um, you know, on a side note, uh, about five years previous to this win, uh, maybe about four years previous to this win, I had a gentleman from Texas, well, I don't know from Adam, um, and I was at a church service, and um, he called me out, and he says to me, um, you're going to win some awards. He says, and you're not even, I don't know what you do. He said, but you, you don't even know where they're going to come. You're not, you're not going to suspect where they're coming from. So... You know, he's telling me this, and, and in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm in the music industry, you know, I'm gracefully uh, a, a Grammy voting member, and right. I'm privileged to do voting for, for, for the Grammys, and I'm thinking, if, maybe that'd be great, one day I'll get a Grammy, you know, so I, I, film wasn't even in my scope, and someone, um, someone had recorded that, 
that conversation and and it hit me while I was sitting in the studio that morning. And I said, wait a second. So I go into <laughs> go into to my to find this clip in, in my computer and I find it and I go, you know, and it all hit. It just there was a sense of wow, somebody spoke into my life, this this was gonna happen, you know, and and he spoke more. It was, you know, it was like, you're going to win awards. And, you know, I'm thinking, I didn't hear plural. I heard one, you right. know. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. You know, I fast forward, you know, it's just some additional awards came, came in, in the same film as well as another recent film that I've done. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and so it, I came back and it was a time of reflection. It really was a reflection. That's all I felt like was just reflecting again. I mean, I tell you, every day I step in the studio, it's not, it's never, it's not necessarily giddy. It's more, it's more, um, man, I'm just lucky. I'm just lucky to be here, to be able to do this every day. You know, something that I love to do. So it's never, it's always smiles. Oh, brother. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I see your smile. I see I, that smile. I, I uh, you know, if, if my questions seem redundant, falling upon the feeling aspect. How did it feel coming from here? How did it feel coming from there? I like to know because like shit, what people don't understand about this show is like I am happier than a oh, I could tell, tell you man. I could tell man. I could tell yeah. I like creating and I like giving a gift to other people. I like the fact that people are like yo, I didn't know that Carl Franco, I interviewed this alderman, uh-huh. alderman Carl Franco, who a lot of people don't know a lot about. He's not, a lot of people don't like him. Okay. I love the guy. Okay. One of the reasons why I love the guy is because he was an air traffic controller for many years. Wow. You got to have your head and your balls screwed on pretty tight to be an air traffic controller. Now, that is despite. Oh, he voted for the increase of this. He voted for the ragged. Look, who cares? Right. To do something that you love and then make another pivot into trying to help the community in regards to an alderman, I give a lot of leeway to Mm. people who are actually doing their passion and trying to do what they want to do. I I really dig that. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's the interest that I have. And when people take interest in the show and they learn from it i feel good you yes. know what i'm saying like, yeah no, i didn't know that it's like that you awesome. hated the guy until you found out that his mom passed from cancer or he was an air traffic controller or he was actually an army guy got shrapnel in his leg now he's running for office that's what i like that's awesome. so that's that's, awesome. that's it's a really i wish this camera was on you you get folks would see his face light up when he talks <laughs> about what he does yeah man, I love <laughs> he lights it. up man yeah. that's awesome well, it's like you know, and it's like you with that when you got to that the amp the 80 dollar yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah you're like how are we gonna play bass my mom was like i can't hear it like, the 80 dollar amp, the like, oh, amp. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep. now tell us about your recent film so the recent film um is um the recent one I'm working on or the one that I finished? Well, let's do the one you finished. So okay. We'll, so that was a film. I met another film director in Amsterdam um, who kept tabs on me. Um, and fast forward a few years later, he's working on a film in uh, the country of Georgia. And it's a short film, actually. Um, it's called Romance. Mm-hmm. And he reached out about scoring the film. 
And I said, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I you know, opportunity. So right. I worked with him, scored that film, um, and that film got nominated as well. And and man, I won an award on that one in London. Oh, <laughs> oh in uh, in Spain, in Spain, in Spain. Okay. In Spain. Very, very nice. I won in Spain in, in Valencia, Valencia, Spain. I won for that uh, that film, Romance. Wow. And so yeah, so we're, another relationship. You know, some the good thing about you know, and I'm learning this as I go. If you develop a good relationship with directors and you do well and you, you follow their heartbeats and with their because they're some don't you know you hear it all the time a lot of directors don't know anything about music they're like you do your thing you know you know what to do but there's directors they who like to feel they want to feel right because they put so much time into this picture so when they're seeing picture like the music better move better move it better ride with this the scenes and and so that did well and and so he's you know um him and the previous director they're already working on their next films and nice. i'm slotted <laughs> in there and i'm like yes yeah absolutely so we still stay in touch we still stay in touch on that film. very cool yeah um now for our listeners because we do shout out to humble park shout out yeah, to the east side out. and the west side yes, sir. georgia is not the state no. There's a country called Georgia. Country of Georgia, <laughs> yes. It's a landlocked, <laughs> tiny country that Russia invaded in 1990. Wow, you know your own, you know your I stuff. believe, yeah. That's it. Um, now, let's talk about the most recent film that's still being worked on. Yeah, it's in post-production, yeah. So, uh, Life Ain't Like the Movies. That's the title of this movie. I'm oh, I really, like that. Yeah, Life like Ain't that. Like the Movies. Because it ain't. No, it ain't. And uh, the director, I had a privilege to meet him in London, mm -hmm. which I coincidentally won. I also won an award there for Now All the Jewel. He was there on another a film of his. We met, and um, he reached out about a year, every year, and some change later, he was working on this film and would like to bring me on board as his composer. And, and I said, I'm in. Yeah, let's do it. And um, we have uh, two good, uh, actually about three uh, SAG uh, actors, and I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, so. Uh, Cinda Williams, which yeah. was with, uh, she was known for her Mo Better Blues with Denzel Washington. She's casting in there. Oh, that's a <laughs> Cinda good Cinda Williams. Movie. Oh, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Denzel. I'm hoping one day I can do something for, on Denzel's film. Oh, but hell my yeah. wife and I, we... we hey, Torres. <laughs> yeah. Denzel. Oh, <laughs> that even sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> the equalizer four. <laughs> you heard it here in Good Morning Aurora. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And um, and then there's uh, there's Paul Bates from Good Morning, uh, 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 welcome back uh, with oh God, good. Oh, I just had a brain fart here. Sorry. Um, good coming back to America with coming back America with uh, what's the comedian Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Murphy with yeah. Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Paul Bates. So the 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 younger little guy, the prince. Yeah. If you remember him? Oh yeah. He's in our film. He plays. This is fast forward now, but he's he plays the grandfather in the film that I'm working on. Very So I'm pretty cool. excited about that. Yeah. So and then there's a gentleman by the name of Wendell. Wendell's doing some great stuff too. I think he just signed in with uh, with uh, General Hospital. He's going to be in a film there. General so we're, Hospital. Yeah. The old school. The story. old school. So I think oh. he's got. I think he signed a deal to, to be. Uh, I didn't even know that show was still around. Or. <laughs> I was man, holy cow! I was just talking about General Hospital today's. That's been around Wednesday. for decades. This might have been Sunday. Yeah. Talking to somebody about like those soap operas. All my children. All my children. All yeah. Oh yeah. My days God. of my life or something like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I grew up on that kind of stuff. Yeah. So did I. I had a sister, so yeah. I wasn't necessarily a fan of watching it, but my sister was, and. You know what I learned about watching those, though? I learned that suspense and um, 
I learned that suspense and emotion in a scene can be captured even in the most boring. Yes. Right? Because it's like General Hospital. The lady's in there and she's all, you know, she's sick. Oh, mom's not going to make it. And then, uh, what was the Something. The main character walks out the door and then it's dun dun dun. Like, Bill. Yeah. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and it's, it becomes cinematic. Exactly. exactly. Then it's something holy. Like, holy cow, what happens now? <laughs> um, yeah. And the director, shout out to him, is Robert Butler. That's the director for this film, Life Ain't Like the Movies. Okay. You know, younger guy, very ambitious, and um, has a great, I mean, we, we seem to be getting along very well. And he's from Michigan, so it, it's a big deal for me. It's, uh, it's probably my first, actually, uh, U.S. full feature film, so I'm excited about that. I was going to say, um, we've got London, Amsterdam, and Spain. Mm-hmm. And See, Italy. And Italy. Uh, a lot of Europeanism in your... Filming, yes. you're working with people. Why is that, or did that just happen? That's that. You know, it's opportunity. You know, the opportunity can come from anywhere, and um, I wasn't expecting a call from that. But I think what that did for me it broadened the opportunities worldwide because now I'm meeting directors all over the world, not right. just the U.S., but anywhere. Right. You know, and I literally, I mean, I got a great friend director out of South Africa. Um, who's you know we're we're in talks about possibly working a film with on his and he does some great films, um, and um, and so I think it just opened up a big platform and it might be the destination or the the the, the, the staging for where the direction of my next my career is going to go you know maybe that's the way it's that you know it was designed for me to get into you know Los Angeles California Hollywood film kind of thing and you know again it's not. It'd be great to hold an Oscar, you know. I mean, why not, right? Um, but I'm just happy to do music, man. Wherever it comes, you've you've achieved a lot. So this will be a personal question. An Oscar win would be huge for you, but I get the sense that it wouldn't it wouldn't reinvent you necessarily, would it? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I think it would just bring it would probably just put my name a little more in the U.S. I think it will probably put me more Because you've done a lot just with your achievements already. That's huge. Yeah. So an Oscar win, not to downplay the significance right. of winning an Oscar, yeah. but an Oscar win for you would be like another stamp of certification another. in a way, kind of, right? Is yeah. That a, is that a fair way to say it? I think that sounds really good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that sounds, that sounds really good. Um... Yeah, and I think again, like it, it's it's the opportunity to do what I love to do, the opportunity to be able to do with what whatever I do. I'm not, I've never been. I want to get a Hollywood name. I never want. I've never had that mindset of, of, of that. My goal was to get to Hollywood. Never. In fact, if if that was probably my game, I'm in the wrong city. You know, early on, probably should have made a move to. A, more musical film and driven city like LA or New York or you know and see and, and meet with people there um, but I, I opted to do it here and, and and decided that I can if I'm going to have some success I can do it here there's talent here and you hear it all the time you hear talent that we got here and sometimes they're like nuggets they're hidden in our own mm-hmm. cities and we don't even know or they leave our city do fantastic then they feel for whatever reason they move to a, to a LA city and you know, or a big New York City, and and continue their career from that point on. Right. Um, like 
that song. You can go your own way. No. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> go your own way. Right. <laughs> um, so, Amsterdam, Italy, world travel, rewards, um, films, and post-production. What's next? Anything that has to do with music. Um, in terms of film, what I have possibly down the line is um, I had an opportunity that's kind of in the air with Bollywood, a film in Bollywood, um, and and yes, definitely a um, another Mollywood film um, is in the talks. Um, but film, film for me has become like a highlight of my career, and I've gravitated so much. But I feel like it's my first day in the studio again. I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot, and I have to figure out a lot, and and chisel my way through it. You know, chisel my way through it, which brings another excitement because it's not another day in the studio. You know, right? It becomes like another new birth, you know, for me. So I it's I develop a new heartbeat for for film, and, and there's something about music to picture that fires me up. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> oh, yeah. It just fires me up. Yep. All right, couple a uh, couple quick questions before we go. Um, and I, this is film stuff. Specifically for you. Uh, first of all, what's your? Do you have a favorite film? Do I have a favorite film? Oh my gosh. Um. So I, I said I said uh, I mentioned Denzel Washington. There's a film uh, Q um, Q. Oh my god. Um, where his son. I'm about to say, don't say Ice Cube. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's with Denzel Washington where his son goes into this medical. Uh, get sick. John Start. Q. John Q. There we go. That's a good movie. Good movie. That's a powerful movie, man. Yeah, that's a good yeah. movie. Yeah. So I'd have to say that's one of my favorite movies. I'm. Yeah. All right. Now, do you have a favorite scene in a movie with the music and the? I don't. I. I don't know how to articulate this well. Uh -huh. Is there a favorite musical score and scene that you have in a movie where you're like? It's memorable. It for you. It's memorable. Um, the um, there's a scene. You know, I'm a person of, of Christian faith. So, uh, the uh, the movie where Jesus Christ, the last movie that uh, Mel Gibson did, um, Passion, of the Christ. Passion of the Christ. He um, the score. You know, when he's about ready to get uh, crucified. Mm -hmm. That that score. In fact, when I was scoring now with a jewel, it was one of my go-to to to kind of inspires, you know. It's one of my ways also when I'm working on a piece of music, I, you know, I just disconnect from the computer and I fire some scores and just kind of close my eyes and I just meditate on music and, and just let it move me because that's what I want to happen while I start writing music for the film. And uh, Passion of the Christ was definitely one that I went to. Hmm. Uh, and Gladiator was, was another one as well. Um, but it's yeah, a movie. yeah, it is. Gladiator. Yeah, Gladiator. Really fantastic. Movie. Movie. Why are you not in the challenge? Right. That is the. <laughs> that's, that's, isn't it? That became yes. like a little tagline cult. You yes. know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Like my, I, I never forget. Um, I moved from an apartment to a house. Nice backyard, hanging out back there and everything. And I was uh, shooting, you know, like I was shooting this ball in uh -huh. between just two big branches in the backyard making hoops. And as I'm doing this, shooting between two branches, oh, Jordan, my son's looking at me like, Dad, that ain't even a real hoop. I'm like, are you not at the turn? It's grown. It's grown to a thing now. <laughs> it is. Um, now, how can people find out about uh, Running Win and, and the 
can find your work and everything? So my my Eddie Torres music is pretty much my handle on all my platforms, okay. including my website, uh, my social media. You know, I have my page, my uh, Facebook page, uh, and Instagram. I'm, I'm definitely an Instagram guy. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. What was life before the? Gram? Oh my God! It was just like this is so clean, this is so smooth. This yeah, got Instagram blow up. is yeah, it's the grand, it's the, the thing, man. Uh, but Eddie Torres music is my handle on pretty much all my yeah. uh, my social media, my connections to okay. anyone who wants to know uh, a little more about what I do. You know, try to stay on top of the the web page and put content, you know, relevant content. I've gotten better with adding news uh, to my to my website on things that you know could yeah could motivate. Web, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. It like even on our, on our website and everything, I saw like a couple more places where I should highlight and augment and getting good traffic out of certain aspects of the page but i'm you know like as you mentioned before we started yeah the older episodes and some of the links are earlier so people have an interest in that now yeah so it's a lot no it is it's working itself <laughs> it's yep. working itself but it's all about for me it's it, you know it, it's it's really i really want to be a part of encouraging younger or people who aspire to do what i do mm -hmm. um and and so when i put information on there i've always keep that in mind, I try to make be very uh, inten intentional about posting that. Right. So if I post, you know, behind the scenes is a big one for me because the people, the you know, younger kids who want to know about what happens in the scene. You know, I've had kids come in in my studio. I had one kid. He's he was on six years of uh, Columbia College, mm -hmm. and um, great college. You know, in fact, got a couple of friends who are teachers there, and um, and he sat in the studio with a, with a client. And at the end of the session, he comes to me and he says to me, not for nothing, he says, but I think I've gotten more out of this day session with you than I have probably in six years in Columbia. And I think it's not so much no knowledge you're getting in Columbia College, but I think there's a different perspective when you're actually in that scene, that behind the scene. Oh, yeah. What does a day look like in the studio? It's not as pretty as you see it on, on picture. So putting up anything that has to do with behind the scene, is for, for me, it's always, uh, I, I try to be intentional about posting those things. Right. But, um, what's your message to up-and-coming filmmakers? Man, don't give up and be consistent. Stay consistent. If you if you veer off from being consistent in what you want, then you'll never know if you're going to get there. Because you're not. You you gave up. Right. So stay consistent in what you believe in, um, and you'll get there. And I, I truly believe that. Um, the show ends on a positive note. What is your message to the people of Aurora? going into today, Wednesday? Um, dreams come true. I mean, it, it, without it sounding so cliche, um, believe in your dreams. Um, we live in a country that you can make a difference. We live, we live in a country where you can do what you'd like to do. Mm -hmm. uh, take advantage of that and make the best of it. Make good decisions. Those are words of Eddie Torres on our show. We appreciate Mr. Torres for coming Thank in and you. spending some time with Good Morning Aurora and talking to us. For all of you listeners out there, be blessed, be determined, be positive on this great day. Have a wonderful Wednesday, and whatever you're doing that's positive, don't give up. We will see you guys back here tomorrow for another great episode of Good Morning Aurora. Peace. Peace.